and welcome back to Off the Water, the podcast brought to you from the National Governing Body of Boating, RWA Scotland. Hi, it's great to be on the pod again. It's been a while since we caught up with uh, Rory McKenna and his adventures. Summer is well underway, with clubs across Scotland holding several major events over the past month, while the cruising fraternity has been enjoying the gaps in the weather to explore the locks and coasts. These events don't happen without the incredible work of many volunteers. As we've emerged from the restrictions brought about by COVID, we want to focus on the volunteers that enable our activities and look at the challenges of how volunteering works within our organisations. Uh, with the recent launch of the Volunteer Development Framework during Volunteer Week at the beginning last month and organisations coming together after COVID, there's a perfect opportunity to reflect on volunteering and the overall impact these people have on the boating community. We've brought together a group of people for this conversation with a range of perspectives on the topic. Our guests today all have a unique connection with volunteering. Uh, and this discussion hopes to open up some of the key areas around the social changes and motivations of volunteers involved in boating in Scotland. So, hello, Helen, Robin and Lisa. Hello. Great to meet you. Thank you. Hello. So I guess it's probably easiest to go around each of you to introduce yourselves properly and tell us a little bit about what your connection individually is to volunteering. So maybe Helen, can we kick off with you first? Sure. Oh, where do you start? So my name is Helen Keenan. I am Head of Volunteering at uh, Curie in the UK, so responsible for around um, 10,000 volunteers and also an Executive Director for the RYA in Scotland supporting volunteering and inclusion. So I've been a lifelong volunteer. I started out personally volunteering in lots of different ways, come from a, a long line of volunteers as well. So as a, a youngster, I remember being out at soup kitchens in the Simon community and uh, all sorts of things. So I've been really been inspired by family and friends and people around me um, about a commitment to community, whatever community that is. So I'm not uh, I'm not at the cutting edge of volunteering with uh, RYA. However, I feel that there's some real kind of universal challenges and universal opportunities. And I think from the seat that I'm sitting in, um, I've probably got a wee bit of insight about the way the world's changing, um, the approach to volunteering, uh, what we're doing differently at Marie Curie, and perhaps how maybe people in the sailing community can take on some of those principles and support them to, to bring in more volunteers and a more diverse group of volunteers as well. Brilliant. Thank you for that. I guess if we go over to Robin next, I know you're involved in various different organisations within the kind of sailing community. Yeah, what's your volunteer background and what organisations are you involved in with a volunteer capacity? Um, so I've been involved with uh, several organisations in terms of my volunteer capacity, um, spending most of my time on the East Coast in Scotland, floating about and trying to help out as much as I can where possible. But having become a student, I've devoted quite a lot of time, especially in the winter, to helping Scottish student sport and Scottish student sailing, help grow sailing and help others get into sailing or into competing. So as part of like all of this, um, I've been supported through the RYA and doing the Pioneer Project. It helps just nicely link things up in a big, more circular way um, in terms of what's on the ground is getting fed back up, but it's also coming back round to help the next part of whatever the project may be. That side of things with the Pioneer Project is, you know, quite a fantastic ethos behind uh, getting more women involved in sport uh, at all levels. And I think you've taken on that very well within the Scottish student sport and done quite a lot. So you're quite modest around that, Robin. But equally, as we look around it and work with clubs, one aspect that um, the Pioneer Project did is uh, work towards a specific call to action and then took it around lots of different clubs. So Robin 
initially from Dundee Sailing Club. Equally then taking that into student sport has been really positive. Lisa, can you introduce yourself as well? Uh, hi, I'm Lisa Linton. I'm Development Manager at RI Scotland. Um, probably a bit personally, I've been a volunteer for a number of organisations, not sailing, but um, lots of clubs and committees over the years. Um, and I've been involved in quite a lot of different roles, um, be that um, from a welfare point of view, uh, be that just as part of a general committee or as a marshal or a helper on days of events and such like, and even involved in recruiting for the Commonwealth Games in 2014. So that's kind of my background um, from volunteering. But from us, as an RYA Scotland point of view, volunteers has been a, a nut we've been looking to crack or a question we've been looking to answer for a number of years. We looked at developing a framework for volunteers there and recently launched that, which has been quite exciting. And I'm sure I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, as we go on today. The volunteer development framework, you know, when looking to help organisations organisations understand their volunteers and tailing that support and some of the reward was something we will come on to for sure. Uh, but that, you know, that RYA research highlighted some of the problems within UK clubs that sparked that need to understand our volunteers more. Uh, these issues have included the lack of volunteers or no new volunteers coming through, potentially an ageing group, people having less time and volunteers wanting potentially less response uh, or take ownership for areas that they're working in. On the demand side, uh, the recent annual War Sports Participation Survey, which came out today, uh, showed that approximately 11.7 million people took part in uh, voting more than once in 2021 across the UK. And that number has risen by double since 2020, demonstrating that there's a clear increase in demand for water-based activities. Looking at this, when we're finding the capacity to help meet this demand, I think there's lots of things that kind of present challenges in terms of Obviously, the more people trying to take part, the more volunteers and people you need to help support the activity. Um, and I feel it's really important to understand the why around why people give up their time and what they get from it with those amazing volunteers that do make the activity happen. So I was really interested to hear from each of you if you could share any of your experiences of what makes you return to the volunteering that you do. So maybe we've seen a similar order and I could throw that at you, Helen, first. Why do I keep returning to my uh, volunteering opportunities? For me, my motivation is about the the wider impact that I can make about a contribution to a community. Um, it, the overarching thing for me is about uh, giving, but it would be absolutely remiss of me to say that that um, doesn't feel good without feeling valued, you know, within that role. Um, and that's definitely something that's, that's really important to me that you can feel. Um, that you're making an impact and I think there's something about how we demonstrate that to volunteers as well that keeps them connected and keeps them in, in, engaged and for me um, one of the things that we found that keeps people because we talk about reward and recognition of volunteers and why that's important um, but I think you know being able to recognise, share and celebrate in their achievements and, and really define what impact means so that you can share with them so that people can understand the, the, the difference that they're making so certainly in some of the volunteer roles that I've had, that's been very clear and in others that hasn't. And I would say that I am much more engaged when I understand what my role is in an organisation and what impact that I am making and the impact that I'm, I'm able to make. I think where I felt most valued as well is when people have taken the time to get to know me, to understand what my skill set is, what I've got to offer. Um, and, and, and allow that to be shared. I think there's lots of organisations that look at tasks that need done. You know, so you get Billy in and he turns up for every Tuesday night from here to Kingdom Cotton. Um, and actually, you know, Billy's a fantastic accountant and he's washing the paddles at the end of a session. So I think there's something about, you know, 
there's somebody sitting in a committee somewhere that doesn't want to be in a, uh, the, the, the treasurer and we've got an accountant that could do it standing in their head. So I think there's something about how we, for me, the skills, uh, the variety that I would like to turn up, I would like to see impact, and that it's something that challenges me as well. I think lots of the volunteering that I've done over the years is certainly to be to look at career choices, career paths, how can I upskill, how can I improve, how can I do the next thing? Um, and I think volunteering for lots of people will, will be that kind of stepping stone, whether it's a career move, a career change, a site, step um, or just to do something uh, a bit different with the time so th there's quite a lot in there and quite quite a lot to unpack but certainly about feeling uh, that you can contribute that there is impact and that shared and celebrated with you is probably important to me yeah definitely getting that sense of wanting to be able to realize the impact rather than needing any kind of and that in itself is the key reward for yourself amazing robin i know there's yes we've said there's a couple of varying different things that you volunteer in. Uh, what keeps you going back to the different projects and organisations that you support? I think it's the love of something different. I feel there's so many different problems that you can solve. And I spend a lot of my time maybe not trying to make something new, just to better things. And having maybe an extra volunteer down on a night improves the standard of whatever is happening that night. So whether it's training, you've got an extra person down just to help out, even if they have no idea on how to sail. Sometimes just somebody there to lend a hand and do some extra tasks frees up a bit more time for everyone else. But then also in the grand scheme of things and the projects that I really like to see come together, are the ones where people look back on them and go, yes, that was absolutely amazing. Um, whether it's a, like a weekend that, you know, you've tried really, really hard for months to kind of get this idea off the ground and it's failed and then it comes alive. And when people look back on it and say to you, oh, that was a great weekend, it's really rewarding for that. And yeah, that's probably quite a massive input for a volunteer to try and run a weekend as a head. And I feel like we do often rely on these, I'm going to say mega volunteers that move mountains to get something done that kind of facilitate a lot of our volunteers and help them in terms of guiding them as to what they can do. As Helen was saying, if they've spent the time to get to know them, then they might know that that skill set and really uh, push the boundaries and what's possible. I, I think for me, there's there's a bit about what I get out of it. Uh, and I know Helen talked a bit about careers and changes and skill development. And I know um, Robin was talking about, you know, being part of it and feeling, looking back and it being really exciting. So I think for me, there's a bit around that social connection. So working with other people, people who are in a kind of similar mindset or who are looking for some fun uh, to get involved and, and see what that looks like. I think for me, there's a bit of feeling as if you've made a difference. Um, so probably back to the words I think Helen used was impact. You know, it feels as if actually you've you've done something and, it, and it's worked well and that's come off or actually we've just supported other people to do that. But some of the ones that when we asked that question um, at our recent volunteer workshops around why do people volunteer? Some of that information that came back was actually because they wanted to further indulge in their hobby. They wanted to share something with other people that they enjoyed and to give something back to the sport that they enjoyed uh, in the sailing and the boating world. They wanted to make a difference. They felt they had relevant experience or they had a relevant background into that element of volunteering that they were doing, whether that was on shore uh, or on the water. They, they wanted to do it because somebody had asked them, some, yeah. some of them because somebody tapped them on the shoulder and said, I think you'd be really good at this. Now, whether that's just corralling the kids, 
to make sure that they get on the water or whether that is as the accountant or whether that is as running that big event as as Robin has said you know somebody taking the time to think that they might be worth it to come and have be involved and be part of that opportunity so I think for me a lot of the big thing is about that connection and how we keep that connection and as as both Helen and Robin said around that celebrating uh, and that rewarding and that sense of fulfillment that you get from being part of that volunteering opportunity. Hearing some really common threads here around kind of communication both in the sense of Helen's comments about understanding what a volunteer might bring to the table, Robin's kind of comments about that feeling of being able to look back on an event and actually you know see the buzz that was created around it you know when the photos go up and it's been successful you know that everybody's had a great weekend out on the water um, and yeah, and good communication around all these things, so maintaining the relationships um, and kind of the follow up from events and things like that seems so important. Um, so I wonder if there's any kind of methods of communication um, that any of you have seen that have been hugely effective and what you view as important with communication. Kind of when it comes to volunteering, I kind of see it as almost if you were to just kind of say, right, we need somebody you'd probably be plucking out the same pool you do every time. Um, whereas I think if you start asking people who have maybe not thought of it yet or didn't think they were capable or not good enough to fill that role and you say, hang on, you are good enough. Do you want to come and do this role? Sometimes that act of personal communication um, really changes the game with people coming in to fill that spot or to take on that challenge. I think just following on from what Robin said, I think about that communication, it's about it being appropriate to how that the individual would like to receive that. And now that can create some additional work at times. But actually, it's about not assuming everybody's on Facebook, not assuming everybody's on uh, going to read the, I don't know about anybody else, but by this time of the afternoon, I've got 71 random emails in my inbox from my personal phone. And if it happens to just sort of jump in there, sometimes I will miss it. So actually, how do we communicate uh, and how do we do it effectively? And I think, you know, that idea of for a reason, for a role, for a purpose, what it is you're looking to do, because quite often we get, well, do you want to volunteer? And they're kind of like, to do what? How long for? When do you need me? What time? You know, all those sorts of things. Actually, you can give as much information. And actually, sometimes it's about, well, we could do with some extra volunteers on Saturday. What sort of time have you got? Because it'd be really lovely. We can fit in around you or we can support what that looks like. Rather than it always being about exactly what we need, it's about actually how can that volunteer? Because sometimes people don't have huge amounts of time, but could do little bits or could do stuff at home which would help the overall purpose and, and things moving forward so that communication can be a, a real key one and I think it's not only just the to ask it's that regular communication around what's happening what's going on what makes a difference um, and where things happen rather than it just being oh somebody can, can we need 30 volunteers for whatever and at the end there's a blanket thanks very much you know, so it's about how we do that. I mean, on communication, I find that, you know, fascinating in terms of many levels and from that personal connection and, and just having the tap on the shoulder, the, oh, would you be available to, you know, give that sense of value apart from anything else? But, you know, Helen, with an organisation you're looking after having 10,000 volunteers, how, how do you tackle that on a larger scale and still create that sense of value and personal connection? Well it's a hard it's a hard nut to crack um, but at the moment we're kind of working through um, a framework how we do that. One of the key parts about it and I know I've spoken about this at the RYA before is about actually doing a needs analysis of the organisation to recognise where the gaps are and that we're not just seeing people in bums on seats that actually there's a targeted approach to the need of the organisation 
And what that allows us to do is so that people can self-select into those roles as well. So with the bums on seats model, people, you know, there's an area of confusion. What is it I've done? I can't really see the impact and what is it that I've been thanked for? Sort of thing. So if we could be a bit more targeted about what we need, and that's from the really practical things that um, clubs might be looking out for to more of that kind of skill sharing. So we're working on a needs analysis um, at the moment, but also on a skills bank as well of our current volunteers and how we weave that into the recruitment and onboarding process of volunteering going forward. So from the very get go, getting to know our volunteers, who are you? What do you do just now? What have you done in a past life? What's your skills? What's your hobbies? What potential time could you have? And I think there's something about micro volunteering as well. The you know the RYA still has quite a traditional approach to, to to volunteering, and there's nothing wrong with that because the traditional approach is is, is really valuable. But we now know that under 35s are the most likely group to volunteer. Um, we know that young volunteers um, aren't as mission led as some others. What they do want to do is share their knowledge and their skills at a time and a place that suits them. So again, it's breaking down those barriers that volunteering isn't only X, Y and Z um, in sailing. It can be much more than that as well and taking pressure off of people who maybe really enjoy the sailing element of it, but hate the administrative task. So why don't you bring in somebody who's really efficient at the administrative task? And I often use myself as an example of somebody at the RYA who volunteers. I have got no connection to boats. And if you go on and read my profile um, online, it says something about I've got a skipper's uh, certificate for a barge that once went from um, Leith to Linlithgow, you know, that sort of thing. I don't have any connection, but I'm very happy to give my time to a community that... Um, that does brilliant things. So I think there's something about how we communicate the, the, the broad range of opportunities that exist with the RYA and with clubs to people who aren't connected to the water or to sailing or whatever that is, because there's loads of people out there who are looking for something to do, to be part of a community. And that probably brings me around to some of the bits around how, how do you communicate with volunteers? So there's a personal bit, there's a macro bit as an organisation. There's a real opportunity at the moment. So if there's more sailing happening and you need more volunteers, then there's a real opportunity to reach out and be a bit more diverse in who volunteers and who sails. And I think for most organisations, uh, need to hold a mirror up to their face and say is that we might not be exclusive, but we're not yet actively inclusive in something about that outreach in its purest form, looking at the gaps in your data to understand who sales and who doesn't and where the gaps are so that you can reach out and communicate with. I mean, people might like to call them hard to reach communities. They're not. They're right there. They live next door to us. They live up the road and um, they connect to us in different ways, whether it's in the workplace, at, at church, in the street that you live, at the schools that your kids go to. You know, everybody has the potential um, to sail or get involved in volunteering um, near the water. So I think all those things are kind of connected. And I think it's about um, the RYA or the clubs themselves thinking about what is their mission? Is their mission just to exist as a club and you need X amount of people to make that run? Or do you have an ambition to grow, to inspire um, and to bring other people into it? And I think you, you develop a communication plan round about that, that engages people, that inspires people and allows people to know explicitly what the opportunities are, where they can engage and what that impact would be. And then I suppose the other bit around that as well is like the top off, recording what volunteers are doing, quantifying it so that you can really demonstrate the impact and whether that's in man hours, 
billable hours um, and, and being able to share and celebrate that with the volunteers as well. I think Ellen hits on a real key point and uh, one of the key conversations we are having at the moment around our volunteer development framework workshops and that was around what is the mission uh, what is the vision of the club and how do you communicate that because if you can't communicate that not only to your current members but how can you communicate that wider and actually people will want to join you exactly as Helen said because of what your vision is and what you want to be and actually that may bring people not only as new members which is what a lot of clubs are looking for but actually that new volunteer because actually that sounds like something I'd be interested in rather than it just being about getting on the water or, or being are doing something um, it's about you know benefiting people's health or it's about being involved in part of that community which has come from a number of times and actually supporting and developing their local community so one of the critical bits right at the very beginning of the workshop is actually what is your ethos what is that mission and idea of what you have and how do we get that out because that will attract people to you and we'll bring in, as Helen says, that diverse, hopefully that diverse group of, of individuals. It's interesting when, when Helen points out the fact that most volunteers are between that age is, what, 35? And I'll, I'll clarify, those <laughs> who are most likely to volunteer, yep. but don't necessarily see the opportunities to volunteer, and it is um, quite different. Marie Curie, we just get our first data sets, um, and unsurprisingly in some respects, we know that at least a third of our volunteers are over the age of 70. We know that more than half of our volunteers are over the age of 55. We know that most of them are white, most of them have been supported by the organisation, yada, yada, yada. So we can see very clearly where the gaps are now, which allows us to make an informed plan about how we how, how we crack that down. So the, the traditional approach that Marie Curie's taken in the past really suits an older person because they can commit to every Tuesday afternoon the kingdom come. We, Jimmy, who's a uh, university, maybe has you know other sporting commitments, whatever that is, would find it difficult to do that, but not to say that they don't have skills and qualities that would benefit clubs um, and organisations. Yeah, there's some some really, really fascinating things being discussed there. And I think actually it brings it a good opportunity to kind of come back to Robin with your involvement with kind of Scottish student sport and the pioneers, I guess, are getting volunteers there that Traditionally, we look at the volunteers within the boating world and the demographics are generally older, white, possibly male. Um, but I think the student um, circle and what you're doing with the Pioneer Project is kind of addressing that a little bit. Um, so I wonder if you've got any kind of thoughts around there. And then also thinking about diversity, how we look at the support that might be needed to encourage those volunteers that maybe aren't pre-existing within our, our circles. Any thoughts around that? So kind of in the Scottish student or the sailing world that we live in in the student community, our volunteers come from quite a wide range of ages and demographically aren't all retired white men. We do have quite a lot of females and ex-students as well as people who are in the final years of their degree or further on to further studies um, that come back and give up their time to sit on a start boat in January for two days um, and willingly come back. It's, it's quite a tough, demanding environment to be in, but it doesn't necessarily require masses of skills to be in these roles. It's definitely a commitment to be there, though. And I think a lot of them really do come back because they, can't, they want to be involved. 
they they love the atmosphere, they've been there before, they've been a competitor, or they've heard about it through other people, and they really know that it's a really positive place to be, and that if they've got ambitions of upskilling themselves, say, from a sailor to an umpire to a race official to, I don't know, whatever you think might be needed. We're quite fortunate as student sailing is our turnover is very rapid. We don't have this old against new that I know a lot of clubs kind of struggle with. Is we've been set in our ways. This is how we do it. And this is how we've done it for the past 40 years, which really keeps the momentum going. Uh, may I ask uh, a question? Because I, I think you make some great points there, Robin, about the, by the very nature of being at university, it's very hard to get much older people um, involved in the sailing societies there. That's that, that's just the very nature of it. But I think through the challenge lines, as you have so many people who are engaged at a, at a young and university level, and what we're not seeing is clubs in the RYA doing that succession planning. So there are pools of people who are very passionate about sailing, who have the skills and qualities to do. How many, do we know how many young people are taking that back into the clubs who've got a longevity of it, who are doing it? Because those quite often are the people who are doing it 40 years later, you know, because they've got that connection, that passion, you know, whether it's the, the drive to race, to be on the water, um, that they see it's a skill that they want to share with other people, they find an absolute joy in it. So how do we, one, encourage that, because we need more young people to be in at that younger level, because what I, from the last volunteer thing that i done with RYA, what we've seen was a real disconnect between the kind of university crowd, left, didn't volunteer for you know, it could be 20, 25 years, but when they perhaps have their own children and want to introduce them again. So then there's a, a, a need for, a need to be here anyway to look after the kids. So how, how do we bridge that gap and how do we encourage more young people to be more consistent volunteers or have opportunities like they are asking for to be more manageable, to be um, less time intensive and opportunities that they see the, the, the value in continuing doing? different cultures in there and I think uh, exploring that one from the universities I, I got involved many years ago in an initiative that was targeted at 18 to 24 year olds in sailing uh, and at that point you know the graph was very much uh, like a wine glass it was described as where in that age range uh, there was a peak of very much high youth and junior and then over that university it, it kind of went off but if they'd been uh, affected by it at the beginning it blossomed out uh, as the people were more able to give time and finances mm -hmm. towards getting involved in clubs or whatever. The, also that clear call to action, going about that clear sort of top line, uh, Marie Curie is, sets out to help support people with terminal in, illness and their families. Mm -hmm. It's a very clear call to action, you know, I can, I, I, I can help, I've been affected by it. I think the Pioneer Project is a collaborative volunteer project, increases the activity of women in sailing community you can do that many ways but you still get a really strong oh how can i do it with the boats i have the friends i know the the sort of club i'm working with the but you've got quite clear call to action and, and i think that's a, a major driver that call to action really touches also on the impact you can have as an organization and that um you know it's touching on what you want to do that end result and I guess my sort of question, my final question was, you know, what impact have you seen through volunteering in your activities? Uh, and does seeing that activity actually firsthand really uh, increase those motivations? Like for me, I'm involved within the El MacArthur Cancer Trust. See episode 16 uh, of Off the Water to hear more about what they do. But that was uh, a strapline of increasing the confidence of young people in recovery from cancer. It was quite clear, you know, a driving force to get behind it 
Um, but having spent a number of years going out cruising with young people uh, and seeing the the increase in the confidence over the week quite quite clearly uh, and seeing that impact firsthand, it did what it said on the tin. And you went away as a volunteer going, wow, OK, we, we really made a difference there. We saw it. I'm going to ask what impact you may have seen uh, through your volunteering, your activities. So I'm trying to think about some of my, so in my own volunteering, I think one of the things that's really special to me was a, as a young youth worker, I was approached as a, with a group to put on a wee bit of music on a kind of family fun day in the salubrious surroundings of Wisha Lanarkshire. And me and the wee group went away together and we put our heads together. So I was maybe in my, my early 20s. And this group were, were teenagers and they thought, oh, we could get a stage, it would be massive and it would be really cool and we could do this and that and the next thing. I was like, right, OK, how do we do this? So as a volunteer, I led a group of young people to set up. And our first year, would 6,000 people participate in a community event in Russia, which was quite unheard of. And that ran for 10 years. So it ended up in an annual event of... Um, 10,000 attendees, we had three stages, we had a big beer tent with the fun fair coming and it was something that was uh, tremendous and I think the impact of that, although it wasn't sustainable financially because it was all through kind of grants and stuff like that, but that was part of the fun. Um, it's, that stopped about 12 years ago and I am still stopped or Facebook messaged or whatever it is to say, could we bring that back somehow? You know, that was something that, and, and, and that was surrounded by volunteers. So I would say in that, with that scenario, I was supported by a group of maybe 15 people throughout the year on a very regular basis. And then on the week up to it, there was maybe another 50 people that helped with it. And then on the day, you know, you had maybe 150 people who were collecting, who were doing tickets and vans and serving drinks and all that sort of stuff. So it really was a massive effort to do that. So that, that, that's been something that, um, but that's also something that really helped me in terms of career and organising and project management and just having a bit of fun while I was at it. So it, it kind of all encompassing. But in terms of impact, I'm going to give you two very quick examples that you can cut out if you like, but here are two very quick examples. So there's a guy who interviewed me when I came to Manicure. His name is Peter Murphy. He was supported by, his wife was supported by Manicure about seven years ago. And since then, he's been shuffling invoices in a finance department. And I was talking to him one day and I says, Peter, what did you do beforehand? He says, oh, I worked in finance. I says, oh, is that how you've got the, the invoice job? And he says, aye. I says, well, what, what did you do? He says, oh, I ran departments at the Treasury. I'm like, ah, oh, right, OK, cool. So I went to work for the, the finance department to say, um, you'd get a very senior civil servant that you could be maybe be in um, better use of. And just as an example of impact, by finding that out about people, Peter, about making the connection, putting them to task, during the pandemic, Peter saved us two million pounds on his own. So that impact is absolutely massive. And just in the other one about, um, and it's an example of, you know, with change comes opportunity. And I think, you know, the pandemic hit, hit everybody and um, I'm not going to pretend that the manicure wasn't severely hit in terms of working in palliative care and people at end of life and, you know, some pretty serious stuff. But we were able to, to pivot and work really hard to think about how we provide the services um, without seeing people face to face who are very vulnerable. And we've done much more online and we've done it much more by telephone, which is quite difficult considering the demographic that I, I described um, earlier on. But what that has resulted in, and this is incredible, we're, just, we're getting the numbers in as we go along, but at the moment we are looking at, throughout, since we pivoted to online and uh, bereavement support calls, we've been able to support 500% more people in that time. 
because people can do it on their own time, they can do it at home, they can do it from their own telephone at a time that suits them and the client that the, you know, instead of saying it's Tuesday at four o'clock and it has to be in a certain place. So in terms of impact, saving two million pounds from having a conversation, increasing bereavement support for the most vulnerable because you decide to do it in a different way or by doing something that you just find absolutely joyful and it stays with you for the rest of your life. So that would be my three examples um, of impact. So in terms of impact, I think the biggest impact that I've maybe physically seen that's nice to see it comes back to this kind of circular thing is my volunteering has had an impact that's made somebody else want to volunteer. And it's kind of like they want to be able to do, might not be what I'm doing, but they might see a hole in the club that they will fill. Sort of almost like a dream, a development type hole that they could plug um, that would make the club better. And sometimes it's yeah these like kind of micro opportunities it's not something that would take a lot of time but it's maybe very custom to their skill set they've maybe got something really good with technology and they can say well we can create you a website that the club can use or we're currently trying to run our duties and rescue rotas via this software but actually that's not working very well for us and we can create something and that's something I've seen we've custom made stuff through volunteers um and I think it's just about knowing who's in your sailing club because especially for me something like an IT set skills isn't something I have and that the idea that you can custom make something for the club that would just sit in the system and work in the background is something that I could never do or it would take me years to do but it might take your volunteer an evening and then that's it done so I think it is really being aware and just most of the people in your club you will probably have chats to you will probably know them roughly or somebody will and I think it's just if you discover a problem or just being open to people's suggestions they're willing to do something so why not do it as long as it's not impactful in a detrimental way. I think for me there's um, there's a couple Robin's just triggered a couple of things in my head around impact uh, I've been in two clubs that I can off the top of my head remember Port Oiker Yacht Club and uh, Glencoe Boat Club both of who have been built by the members so they have maybe had funding around facilities and what that looks like to build a shell but actually they they've been the electricians and they've been the plumbers and they've been the the plasterers and they've been others and I'm sure that those two are just off the top of my head I think Craig Nash probably did something similar and there's other clubs exactly the same who've taken the skills of their their, their members and, and pulled that through and um, so you know there's that opportunity to to utilize and again you know we have a number of clubs who we have volunteers who like to potter and volunteers who like to fix boats and volunteers who like to actually just you know what I'm going to just come down and cut the grass because it will make the club look pretty and, and, and it makes me feel as if I've done my wee bit. So there's loads of people who, who do that and, and harness that. And I think one of the questions that was raised earlier on was about, you know, how do we relate to people who move through transitions of life and, and where they go from one to the other? As a sector, we're quite bad at just hoping that that impact will happen or, or that that movement will happen. So we hope we've given them enough of a taste of a sense of something, whether that's at school, whether that's um, Ocean Youth Trust, whether that's in a club or a, a training centre. And we hope they'll come back when they have their family, when they're when they're there. And actually, how do we do that better connection? How do we utilise that opportunity for them to, to feel something and get something out of it and actually to maybe stay and not feel they have to do every Saturday or every Sunday or 
every Saturday and Sunday every season but actually just to do a wee bit now and again whether it's a big event that they come back for because actually that's the one that always made the difference and made them smile as as an individual the ones where you feel you've made a difference the ones you know where you've seen the kids smile and actually they've come back to you every week because you've sent them a question the week before and they want to come back because you've that's how you've coached them and and you see them making a difference or they they've got a bit of an improvement or actually they just finished it compared to never having finished it before. You know, it makes that that personal, that those sort of impacts for me are ones that um, certainly make a difference. But I think from a an organisation, I think back to the very beginning that, that Helen talked about in terms of how we celebrate and how we recognise that. And actually, how do we make people, how do we share that inner good feeling that you get as a volunteer? How do we celebrate what that looks like? And I love the the billable hours and I love the the idea of actually recording and putting that down. But actually, how are we saying thank you as a a key thing? You know, we've just had volunteer week. It was one of the things we did. We did a simple email. We did a simple um, conversation to some people. And it might not be everything, but at least it's a start. And so it's about how we do that and how we share the impact that we can make. Yeah, amazing. There's some stuff that's kind of really resonating there with me about kind of the people that are involved and probably my most recent impact was um through the I'm a trustee at the Aberdeenshire Sailing Trust and there's a schools event that happens every year and we're now at the point where I'm seeing kids that I remember just about getting around the course in a topper coming back and volunteering as coaches and instructors and then seeing the reward of the next group of young sailors coming through and utilizing their skill sets in whatever sense they can I think the resonating theme here is is people and who we've got what they enjoy and how you reward them and understanding that on a very individual level um but yeah I think there's been some amazing points coming through and I guess on that reward that's probably just enough time for us to thank you all for coming to share some of your thoughts on volunteering because that reward is so important uh, and it can be as simple as that Thank you. Thanks for having us today. It's been it's been great fun and really insightful as well. Yeah, thank you for welcoming me on to the podcast. Um, I'd just say thank you um, to for having us, but also that massive thank you to all our volunteers. And please note this is a conversation we're continuing. It's not the end of a journey, it's the start of a journey. And we need to, to continue to look at the ethos, the, the conversations we have and how we support our volunteers across the whole of the the boating sector so that we can continue to provide the best opportunities for people to get afloat in whatever manner or to support our sport in whatever manner they see fit and wish to be involved in. So thank you for having us too. Wow, Uh, there was a lot to take in there. I think the key messages seem to be understand the people and their why, then you will understand what will make them volunteer and return to their volunteering. Yeah, we did start looking for the why in volunteering. And it is a very personal journey. There is not a one-size-fits-all solution. And there were some great examples of this along with how clear messaging that links voluntary activities to the wider impact of an organisation can really benefit both parties. Definitely. Um, A discussion that was only just really starting as well is around the support needed to encourage many micro-volunteers and ease the burden on the mega volunteers that Robin mentions. I'm sure that discussion will continue with loads of organisations. Absolutely. I certainly found that there was a lot of areas 
of discussion that can be shared throughout the boating community in the coming months and years for us to be able to adapt for the next generation of volunteers to continue to promote and protect the activities we love. Thank you very much for listening to Off the Water. Uh, it's been a fantastic episode and we look forward to seeing you out in the water this summer and we'll be back with another episode in due course. <laughs>